if you're able to buy right and then you're able to hold, you can do well. It appreciates, you can depreciate, you can refinance, you can do lots of great stuff, and it really is powerful. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff with us today. Daniel Farber. How you doing, Daniel? Very good. How are you, Joe? Thanks for having me. I'm glad to hear that. I'm well, and you're welcome. Grateful that you're on the show a little bit about Daniel. He's a CEO of HLC Equity. HLC Equity is a multi-generational real estate firm. They've owned and operated real estate in over 25 states, and they've owned and managed over 7 million gross square feet of commercial, residential, and development land. His company is based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They invest, as I mentioned, all over the U.S. So with that being said, Daniel, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure, definitely, 100%. So real quick on the personal side for me, I actually never thought that I was going to go into real estate and much less a family business. I kind of started out in my career through journalism and then going kind of the diplomatic route, eventually becoming a strategic consultant to high-tech companies and some political organizations. And through that, I kind of touched upon business and several different factors that got me much more interested in going that route. And that's kind of where one thing led to another. And I got eventually involved in real estate first, and then eventually into the family business, which is where I am today. And so as you said, HLC Equity is a multi-generational real estate investment company. We, our company has gone through various iterations, having been around for decades, basically founded by Herman Lipsitz, who was my grandfather. And he was just an ambitious entrepreneur, child of the depression, just an all around great, hardworking guy who had a distribution business in the morning, a law practice in the afternoon, and with the proceeds, he would buy real estate in the evening. And wow. it was at a time when it was a little bit different of a market than it is today. And so I guess, you know, you could do that, even though I often think about how did he do that when a fax machine was considered innovative, but he did it. And so basically throughout the period of time, there was everything from land and development and residential shopping centers. And eventually as he got older, really the strong focus became more neighborhood shopping centers. And eventually just net lease assets was really a bulk of the kind of company holding. And that went for some period of time until eventually, as I got into the business, some other folks got into the business, we really wanted to make a shift. And we said, how are we going to grow this thing? And how are we going to take what we have and to grow it? And so what we've done is really shifted into the multifamily space, done a lot more in the multifamily space over the last call it seven to eight years. And then also while our company used to be primarily just kind of deal by deal with partners, Perry Pursue, or else just on our own, we built out the infrastructure and the wherewithal to be able to be stewards of investor capital and bring in investors of all shapes and sizes. And that leads us kind of where we are today. It's a multi-generational real estate firm, as you mentioned, and you are the CEO I'm curious about the structure. Who do you report into as a CEO? Yeah, well, it's a very good question. So part of our growth was bringing in obviously really great people, right? So we have a committee that's kind of our executive committee. 
So that's the management. And then we have the family and we separate the two. And at the end of the day, decisions are made by the family, but with heavy weight by the executive committee. Ah, interesting. Okay. How many people are on the executive committee? Five. Five people are on the executive committee. And how many, how many people have votes in the family? There's three at the end of the day, but they're weighted in different ways. The actual ownership is somewhat proprietary just because it's family, but it's weighted in different ways, but there's really three votes all in all. Okay. What are the responsibilities of the executive committee, those five people who are not family members? It's really team members that we brought in from CFO, head of operations, head of asset management, and head of investor relations. Ah, okay. I'm with you. So they're not board members. They're active employees in the business who make up a committee. And since they are on the ground and and know the business, that's why the family takes their opinion into account. Yeah. And we take, but not just into account, but very seriously. And I'll give you an example. Let's say we have some sort of building structural issue in a property in Dallas which is typical for some properties in Dallas, as you know. So our head of operations and our head of asset management, they're going to know much better what the situation is and and their opinions, you know, for us matter much more because they're on the ground, as you said, much more than like if it was some just important executives with fancy titles. So that's why their opinions count more when it comes to just daily operating this stuff. What are the metrics by which you're evaluated as CEO? We actually use a system from the Scaling Up program, if you're familiar with it. And so we have every quarter, we have KPIs and everybody on the team has KPIs uh, down everybody. And based off of if we're hitting those KPIs, that is definitely what I'm judged on. And there's other factors, obviously, also, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of how we really from a number standpoint, keep track of it. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Just to get an idea of your responsibilities, what are your KPIs for this quarter? Well, annually, there's a certain amount of acquisitions that we want to hit. And there's a certain amount of investor acquisitions that we wanted to create new relationships. 
So just as an example, one would be per quarter, we want to do our kind of sweet spot acquisition, which is anywhere between 20 to $70 million purchase price. So that's an example of if we hit that, but then it goes to marketing and how much content we're putting out, hence podcasts. There's how many investors come in through our portal operationally, are we hitting all of our KPIs, so on and so forth. I mean, it really touches every division. What are your new investor goals per quarter? Well, right now we're shooting for 40 new signups per quarter, and we pretty much have hit that. Nice. Congrats. (laughs) Well, no need to do any more marketing. You're good for this quarter. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Well, that's right. I'm kidding. That's the point. That's the point. I know. I don't know if it's we're shooting too low or else the folks that are in charge of that are just doing an amazing job, but I'm happy that we hit it. Is a sign up someone who signs up for your portal and shows interest or is that someone who actually puts money in a deal of yours? Great question. No. So the 40 is that we build a relationship with them by them signing up. Okay. So 40 new Um, people who fund, invest money with you per quarter. You're asking a really good question because there's a huge difference between somebody who signs up and somebody who invests. And I don't mean it in the sense that there's so many people can sign up and very few invest. I mean it in the sense that it's touch points. So I've had conversations with folks and it has led to nothing for three, four years, but then In year five, it has led to something significant, whether it's a large investment or a large partnership or whatever it may be. So it's very hard to quantify that stuff. And I think it's actually maybe a little bit too transactional to say like, okay, you got them in, did they invest? Obviously, you have to have forward momentum. But we talk about this a lot because it comes down to networking also, right? At the end of the day, we just want to build meaningful relationships with great people that we can work with over the long term. So if they invest that quarter or two quarters or in five years or not at all, that's just a matter of life. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What have you seen is your conversion rate from people who sign up to learn more to people actually fund? I don't have an exact number for you, honestly. I would need to kind of like dig deeper because we actually just completed a transaction in which we saw, thankfully, a lot of traction and that literally just closed this week. So yeah, thank you very much. So I think that in order to like get a real solid number, I would need to get back to you on that. I don't have the exact rate as of the last kind of quarter. Taking a look at the people who did fund the new leads, what are the top three lead sources for those individuals? I would say the top where they come from. Yeah, where where yeah, yeah. no, I, I got you. I'm just trying to think. So we fund these deals in different ways. We have relationships with wealth management groups that bring their clients into our deals. And those are significant checks usually. We have our own friends and family accredited investors who bring in anywhere between 100 to 500,000. And then we have our own HLC Direct, which is our direct to investor platform. So those are really our three routes. We do work with some private equity groups when it gets to the larger deals as well. Got it. Okay, fair enough. So going back to the goal of 40 new people who are funding per Yeah, that's our social media platform is not as robust as many others. And, you know, maybe it's probably an area we should put more focus in. We definitely get a lot of traction through our newsletter. So we get people to sign up through our newsletter. A lot of times that does come from social media, but it also comes from other venues, which I can discuss through that newsletter. Frequently, we get a lot of signups onto our investor portal. We run a global real estate and technology summit. And I can get into what that's all about. But interestingly, the most amount of 
kind of signups to our newsletter come from that. Ah, okay. How many people on your newsletter? I believe we have roughly 3,500. Wow. That's a good chunk of people. Let's talk about this. And the reason why I ask these questions is most of the listeners are active investors and they're doing similar or looking to do similar things or are currently doing similar things. So no, 100%. I, yeah. I mean, I think it's great questions and I don't have all the answers because it's stuff that we're constantly switching, right? Because I don't yeah. think that there is the magic formula. I think different groups kind of like to attract in different ways, but definitely happy to discuss it. Yeah. So just for my own clarification, a couple things, HLC direct, you said that's direct to investor platform. What's the difference between that and just working directly with friends and family? Well, this allows us to expand. So our whole thing is we want to expand our relationships and we want it to be direct with us. The more direct we can be, the better. I just feel the stronger the relationship. Forget about the broker fees or, you know, if you work with other platforms, there's fees. That's not really what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in is having direct relationships with investors. And so it's allowed us to grow that because people are either receiving our newsletter or else seeing stuff on social media and they frequently like what they see. And so they sign up for our platform for HLC Direct. And through that, we're able to build more relationships. I get that. But what I'm trying to understand is you mentioned what the three groups, wealth management groups, friends and family, and HLC Direct. So what's the difference between friends and family and HLC Direct? Well, friends and family are people that I would say that we have relationships with and we've had relationships with for some time, you know, like just the the traditional friends and family route. And then HLC Direct is exactly what I said of the lead source. And this goes back to your question, the lead source being either newsletter or social media or some other form of kind of like third party ways of getting to them. And again, we have our summit, which is helpful as well. Got it. Okay. The summit, Global Real Estate and Technology Summit. When's the last time you did it and how many people attended? First of all, it's global because we actually don't do it in the U.S., even though we're fully U.S. based. We actually host this in Israel. And the last time we did it was in 2019. We were obviously in the planning stages of 2020, and then we weren't able to do it. We hope to do it this coming spring or summer. And the last event that we had, we keep it a international, but a pretty high level event. So the focus is on quality over quantity. So we have 350 people, I think the last time. We have several sponsors. We have everybody there from family offices, VCs that are interested in investing in technology, technology companies, real estate owners and operators. And it's really in order to build an ecosystem around this phenomenon that is now mainstream. But when we, when we started it, it was less so of the convergence of real estate and technology. You hosting it this year? I very much hope that we will be able to in, hopefully in the beginning of June. Are you coming? <laughs> How can I and others learn more? Where do we go? 100%. So on hlcequity.com, under our brands, one of the brands is PropTech360. That is the event. Or you can just Google PropTech360 Israel and it'll come up. Nice. So as CEO, you said you've got the acquisitions focus, new investor focus, among other things also. What's been the most recent challenge that you've had? I think that the challenge is by far the acquisitions environment and the competition and just finding deals. I guess we got spoiled buying deals in Denver and Dallas for seven, eight cap. 
So the readjustment in mentality, that's hard. And also just getting comfortable in, in making sure that you're buying right, because real estate is all about the buy. And that's very challenging to be confident on today. Taking a step back, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, I think I just said it. The buy really matters because <laughs> from there, you have so much room if you can buy right. So I really do think that that is great. And then the, the next one is just buy stuff that you can hold for a long time. Because I've seen over the decades, if you're able to buy right and then you're able to hold, you can do well. It appreciates, you can depreciate, you can refinance, you can do lots of great stuff. And it really is powerful. Let's pretend tomorrow you've got a closing. Would you rather be buying a 300 unit or selling it tomorrow? I would rather be buying it. Why? Because I'm sure similar to you, every single day I have people knocking on our door saying, we have this great off-market offer. We're going to offer you a premium and so on and so forth. And then the question is right away, what are we going to buy? Right? So I think that in my opinion, again, we just bought a brand new 330 unit deal and we have other deals under contract. And obviously it's a great seller's market, but at the same time, if you're thinking long-term, which is what we always try to do at the end of the day, holding hard assets right now, I think it's going to be beneficial. What deal have you made the most amount of money on? You know, it's funny. The deals that we make the most amount of money on are deals that we do on our own. And they're what I call quirky deals. And we don't do them with investors because it's more risk than we're willing to take on responsibility for investor capital unless they're highly sophisticated and are willing to basically lose it all. So we do the best on deals where we, we don't care about the cap rate, but we know there's some sort of intrinsic short-term value that, that distorts what the cap rate is. So we've done deals in Brooklyn, New York, where we bought smaller multifamily buildings for, call it a going in of one and a half to two cap, but we were able to add value in specific ways on that deal. And we kind of knew it going in and we went around and sold it for great returns a year, a year and a half after that. What was the value add play there? So with that specific deal, we knew that we could buy certain stabilized tenants. We knew that there were renovations that we could make. And also we could see this was going back in 2012. We could see that the market there was just becoming super hot. So a mixture of our tenant buyouts that we were able to do, our renovations, and then the market taking off was helpful in that. But again, like going in, it's not a sure thing, right? It's very nerve wracking buying at a low cap rate like that. We did something very similar, and this wasn't a multifamily, but we did something very similar right around April. As COVID is hitting, we're contacted by a broker to buy a occupied veterans association clinic. And here on the deal was there was one year left. The upside was it was a development deal. And assuming that the VA left, there was development rights to build 80 to 90 units. Well, we looked at the deal and we said, okay, the VA, they're paying way less than they should. If we want to, we can develop it. Even though we're not developers, we could partner with the developer and build a bunch of multifamily units in this prime neighborhood. But going in, we were, again, we were paying a two cap. And the end ended up being able to work out a deal with the VA, which was my preferred route because it was safer. We got a brand new... 10-year lease with the government, around three times higher than what our original rent was. So we were able to over double our money within a year and then not sell then finance it and just enjoy. So those types of deals are the deals that we do the best on financially, but that's not where our focus is in terms of growing our business. And on the flip side, how much have you lost as far as your, the most money you've lost on one deal? 
Well, for me personally, since I've been heavily involved in the business, on our new acquisitions, there have not been any. And I don't say that because I think that we're amazing. I just, we're lucky because it can happen. But it definitely with the firm, there have been occasions where, especially in the shopping center business, which is a whole other animal, there have been occasions where like, let's say a major tenant leaves and that causes a huge financial hit. So the exact largest one I can't point to, but it definitely has happened. And frankly, if it's a group that's been around for a long time, then they should have some sort of losses or else they haven't been doing enough real estate. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I hope so. (laughs) I know you are. All right. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend, Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now, and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. What is the best ever way you like to give back to the community? Because I'm so involved in real estate in a built environment, I'm involved with a organization that's very similar to Habitat for Humanity. And I just really think that that's something that speaks to me because we're able to provide decent housing to people who really need it. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? 
I think the best way is either to connect with me on social media, which I'm always happy to connect with new people, or to sign up for our newsletter and you'll be able to see all of our activity that we're doing that we don't necessarily publish everything out on social media, but we do put a lot more in our newsletter. And you can do that by going to hlcequity.com and just to connect and you can see how to subscribe to our newsletter. And your website will also be in the show notes for everyone. Daniel, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This was great. And thanks for everything you do for the industry. Yeah. Well, interviews like this are helpful for everybody involved. You gave some insightful information about your business and I sincerely appreciate that. So hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks a lot.